There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Health Essentials Podcast brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. I'm your host, Cassandra Holloway. Today, we're broadcasting virtually as we are practicing social distancing. We're joined virtually by Dr. Mohamed Shaban. Dr. Shaban, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Today, we're going to be talking about the world of sinus infections, which can range from manageable to chronic to feeling downright pretty miserable when you have one. We'll be getting Dr. Shaban's advice on treatment, when to see a doctor, and even how to tell the difference between COVID-19 symptoms and a normal sinus infection. But before we dive into everything, we want to remind listeners that this is for informational purposes only and does not replace your own doctor's advice. So Dr. Shaban, let's start off by, can you talk to us a little bit about your practice at Cleveland Clinic and what type of patients you typically see? Um, thank you again. So I'm an otolaryngologist, or in other words, an ear, nose, and throat specialist um, with specialized training in rhinology, which is really the practice of seeing um, sinonasal disorders, infections, tumors, um, you know, CSF leaks, deviated septum, my practice uh, primarily is focused on um, sinonasal disorders, and uh, but I also see bread and butter, ear, ear nose and throat disorders at the Cleveland Clinic. So a whole gamut of, yes. of deviated septums and nose disorders and sinus infections and all that good stuff. Correct, yes. So according to the CDC, 28.9 million adults are diagnosed with a sinus infection every year. So we know that many people are affected and many people are suffering because of this condition. What type of symptoms might a sinus infection cause? So typically the sinus infection, usually most of them start off with a um, viral um, upper respiratory infection. So the beginning you may not, it may be just a nonspecific symptoms of fatigue, fever, sore throat. Then you tend to have that nasal discharge. Um, and then when it turns out to be an acute uh, bacterial sinus infection, you get the um, typical uh, symptoms of uh, acute bacterial sinusitis. And usually we look at four specific symptoms, like um, the first one is nasal obstruction. Uh, the second is nasal discharge, whether that is anteriorly where patients complain of actual discharge of mucus coming up of the nose, or something that is referred to as post-nasal drip or post-nasal drainage. The third cardinal sign um, symptom of um, acute sinusitis is basically facial pressure or pain in the, for example, the cheek sinus area or in the front, in the frontal area. Um, and the fourth one is uh, decreased or absent sense of smell. These are the four. Uh, cardinal symptoms of acute bacterial sinusitis. Interesting. So, so those are the four, you said cardinal signs of that. Are there any weird symptoms like neck pain or dizziness or vomiting that you typically see, kind of the um, off the spectrum kind of symptoms that people should be concerned about? 
Oh, definitely. So basically, um, if you have, uh, you know, usually the site of the pain or uh, is usually specific to the sinus uh, infection site. For example, if you have cheek pain, then you expect the patient to have uh, maxillary or cheek sinus infection. If you have neck pain, usually I see it. It's not really common, but I see it with the sphenoid sinusitis. The sphenoid sinus is a sinus that's deeply recessed in the back of the nose. Um, you can get pain at the top of the head and sometimes neck pain as well. Uh, but when I see neck pain, I also sometimes get concerned. Maybe the patient has an infection that is outside the confines of the sinuses. Um, so I would want to make sure we ask the patient or we check for any neck stiffness, um, you know, light sensitivity, severe headaches, that usually is pointing us towards something more complicated um, than it's just a simple sinus infection. And going back to the nausea, basically if patient has post-nasal drainage, we tend to see um, nausea uh, and sometimes vomiting. And uh, in typical like viral infections, we can see uh, dizziness, which is described as lightheadedness. But you can also get fluid behind the ears and that may manifest as dizziness as well. And is the sinus infection viral or bacterial? This is a very good question. So most bacterial um, or acute sinusitis that we describe as bacterial are, most of them start off as viral. And then our 2% of these, up to 2% of these viral rhinosinusitis, they turn into bacteria. Um, so mostly the ones that we describe as acute sinusitis, we're mostly talking about bacterial sinusitis. And what about bloody noses? Are, are those typically a symptom? I know if, if your nose gets dry, that might affect it. Do you ever see bloody noses as a symptom of sinus infections? It's a very good question. So patients who have acute sinusitis, they're very inflamed, they're congested, and they tend to want to get the mucus out of the nose. So that severe or heavy nose blowing can lead to uh, epistaxis or nosebleeds. Um, you know, it's not a very common symptom that tends to be like needed to be treated, but it's something that can come along with your range of symptoms that you have with um, sinusitis. Sure. So since we're talking a little bit about symptoms and COVID-19 is, is likely on a lot of people's minds lately, it seems like there's some crossover a little bit with that irritated throat or the, the fatigue. Um, I just want to ask, what's, what's the difference between a sinus infection and experiencing symptoms of COVID-19? Kind of what advice do you have for listeners on how to tell the difference? Sure, that's a great question. So, you know, as we know that the sinusitis starts off with being a viral infection and COVID-19 is a viral infection. So initially you may see some symptoms that are similar or you can't tell if the patient has either one of them, like what you just described, the, the fatigue, the sore throat, the you know, crackling in the throat and the dryness. Um, but typically the COVID-19 is a viral flu-like um, uh, disease where you get symptoms of fever, um, sore throat, that continues on and, um, and usually the patient with sinusitis, usually you need to have at least 10 days of persistent symptoms for you to make a diagnosis of acute bacterial sinusitis or you get patients who get uh, initially better and then that was followed by something we call double sickening where the patient gets worse afterwards and that points out to an acute um, 
bacteria sinusitis. Um, most importantly for you know uh, listeners right now, I would say that uh, if you have dry cough or shortness of breath, those are really two more important uh, symptoms of COVID-19 as opposed to regular like sinus infection. Gotcha. That's helpful, I think, for a lot of people right now, especially if they're, if they're fighting a sinus infection and yeah. it's scary. You know, you start coughing and you're like, is this it? You know? Um, so kind of going along those lines, obviously COVID-19 is, is very contagious. Is a sinus infection also contagious? So initially when it starts off as a viral rhinosinusitis, it is contagious just like any other virus, uh, upper respiratory virus. And, uh, but when it becomes bacterial, it doesn't, it's no longer contagious of that sort. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about causes. What causes a sinus infection or puts someone at risk for getting a sinus infection? So typically the, the accepted hypothesis of getting a sinus infection, it really starts off with um, swelling and blockage of the um, bath and mucociliary uh, clearance from the sinuses. And that swelling of the opening of the sinus leads to development of a bacterial overgrowth and then an infection um, you know, happens after that. Um, so people, there are some risk factors. For example, I can tell you allergy is one of them. There is a big link between the allergy and acute rhinosinusitis. But there is no definitive um, there's no definitive evidence whether if you treat allergies, like for example, in people who get allergy shots, that you can actually prevent um, acute sinus infection. But there is a link between the two. Others are, of course, viruses. When you have an upper respiratory infection, um, a viral infection may lead to a, a um, acute sinusitis, bacterial sinusitis. If you have a, sometimes dental work or dental or, or dental or teeth infections, because the roots of the molar teeth they really um, sometimes get into the sinus, you can get infections from that. Uh, in my practice, usually dental causes are more or less uh, cause subacute or chronic infections because they get undiagnosed and they usually are unilateral on one side. It's very uncommon to have like infections on both sides, you know, with, with their teeth. Um, but that's could be a risk, of, of course, for uh, you to develop a sinus infection or root work, um, you know, by your dentist uh, you know, can cause that. And, um, you know, other than that, if you have chronic sinusitis like nasal polyps, you can get on and off, you know, flare-ups, we call them flare-ups, which is acute infection on top of your chronic infection. Sure. So, um, Say you think you have a sinus infection. I guess I, my question is two parts. Who do you schedule an appointment with? Do you see an ear, nose, or throat specialist? Do you see your primary care doctor? And then once you're there at the doctor's, how is it diagnosed? Very good question. So at the beginning, it starts off with, a, you know, with an upper respiratory um, infection, like a viral infection. And those usually can be treated at home. Self-care um, could be sufficient for those. Once you get the infection, either more than 10 days of persistent symptoms, or if you get that double sickening that we talked about uh, before, which is the, the period of um, you know, worsening following a, an improvement of symptoms, that typically happens like after five days where the patient is doing okay, and suddenly they get worse. In those two situations, 
you know, I recommend that they see perhaps at that time a primary care specialist. Um, for them to see us like our specialist eras or throat doctors, um, usually I look at this for acute infections in three reasons. The first reason, if you have a patient with recurrent acute infections, if a patient's having like four times per year acute infections that we want to know, are there any reasons um, to predispose that patient for those infections? Examples would be like anatomical variations in the nose, deviated septum, something of that sort that could be predisposing the patient for those recurrent acute infections. Another reason, if you have a complicated um, sinusitis, we always go back and talk about those alarming signs. If you have alarming signs that the infection is spreading somewhere else, like in the eye, eye, you know, either decreased vision, double vision, eye swelling, or the neck pain that we that you asked me before, or neck stiffness, then I think the immediate referral is warranted at that point. Um, and the third thing, if you have infection that has not that was given antibiotics by a primary care doctor and has not gone away or has turned into subacute or chronic infection. Those are the three reasons why they would seek an ear, nose, or throat um, doctor as opposed to primary care. So that's interesting. You said a chronic sinus infection or, or just getting them chronically is, is defined by four times a year? Uh, that's a good question. So there's a difference between we define chronic um, infection or chronic sinusitis as the persistence of symptoms for more than 12 weeks, but it has to be accompanied by an endoscopic, which is a scope we put on the nose, uh, or a CT scan evidence of actual inflammation in the sinuses. So recurrent acute is a different entity. We define it as recurrence of acute infections uh, which have the same criteria that we talked about, uh, which is basically for you to diagnose an acute infection one time, you have to have two of the four cardinal symptoms that we talked about. Um, and then usually it's, as we said, more than 10 days. And the whole process should be less than four weeks for you to diagnose a single acute um, rhinosinusitis. When you get then a period of you're completely normal and you get another infection, and another one, like when they become four or more per year, that entity is called recurrent acute sinusitis, and it's different than chronic rhinosinusitis. Sure. So let's say I am below that 10-day kind of uh, maximum for seeing a doctor, say I'm on day you know, four or five of not feeling too well, and I'm experiencing some of these symptoms. What's the quickest way to kind of self-treat myself with over-the-counter medicines? Kind of what do you recommend before I see a doctor? What do you recommend read, Recommend I do? Very good question. So it's symptomatic treatment. If you, ha if you have pain, like you have fever, I would take a fever pain, a painkiller, fever reducer, like, you know, acetaminophen or ibuprofen. Um, if you're having pain in the, in the sinuses, then uh, warm compressors can help with that. Um, and if you're having a lot of, mucus in the nose, a saline, a rinse, metipot, for example, would be helpful to get rid of all the mucus in the nose. And sometimes I tell my patients cautiously to take nasal decongestants because you can't take them for too long. But those are the things that uh, you can do um, you know, at home to self-treat your, um, at the beginning of that, uh, the phase of the, of the sinus infection. 
And then what's on the other side of that? Say I come in to see you, kind of walk me through some of the treatments that would be available to me if I qualified for the, the chronic sinus infections or if it's a little bit more severe, kind of what are my treatment options? Once you reach the point of having acute bacterial rhinosinusitis more than 10 days or double sickening, then we recommend uh, starting antibiotics. A um, long time ago, it used to be very common. We prescribe right and left antibiotics, but we always have to remember that there are adverse effects and adverse side effects of antibiotics. Um, that's why we have to really select which patient would be best to receive them. So yes, going back to your question, yes, I would say more than 10 days or double sickening, we give an antibiotic. Um, nasal steroids can help as well. They have a minor effect, but they can help. We can uh, prescribe it, and they are over-the-counter as well. Oral or nasal decongestants, um, you know, are helpful. As long as we don't have a patient who has high blood pressure or anxiety, because oral decongestants can uh, cause that as well. We also recommend continuing nasal saline if they started before or nasal irrigation as well to get rid of all the mucus um, in the nose. What about surgery? Is, is surgery ever an option if, in a severe case? Uh, so that's a good question. So when they come to see me, usually there is either um, a failed route of uh, antibiotic, round of antibiotic for seven to 10 days in that case, then I usually tend to look in the nose with a camera. I obtain a culture of the sinus, see what's growing in there. Maybe we need to change the antibiotic. That's something that the primary care doctor may not be able to uh, culture in the nose. And, and it has to be from inside of the nose where the sinus openings are. And or a complicated sinus infection, like an orbital complication or intracranial complication, then that points me more towards going to surgery. Uh, as opposed to just treating with antibiotics only. And in chronic uh, sinusitis that has failed medical management that includes antibiotics, nasal steroids, irrigation with saline, um, and in recurrent acute, that entity that we talked about before, and uh, those patients, if I still see evidence of narrowing of the sinuses, then there is an indication that we go ahead and uh, um, you know, do sinus surgery. For them. Is that pretty like severe? Like, are you are is it an outpatient surgery or like what does that entail when you when you have sinus surgery? So by and large, this is an outpatient surgery. Um, as long as long as the patient doesn't have comorbidities that are that require them to be in, inpatient, and um, this had evolved over time uh, from really doing surgery under the cheek and little, you know, um, different ways. Uh, right now, we have really minimally invasive approaches. Uh, for example, I'm not sure if you heard about balloon sinoplasty, for example. We can offer that to patients, which is a simple procedure. You insert a balloon in the opening of the sinus, and you dilate the opening. And it can go into a conventional endoscopic sinus surgery, where you open up the sinuses in much larger than just a balloon. And um, obviously, if you have polyps, you will remove them as well as part of the chronic inflammation. Um, and you take deeper cultures, you uh, open up the sinuses, and you remove the, remove the mucus that's trapped as well. So the last thing I want to talk about here is prevention. So how can a listener reduce their risk of getting a sinus infection? So just because the sinus infection starts off with a viral um, URI, 
um, if you prevent getting a viral infection, that would be very helpful. And right now we're all doing this by, you know, avoiding, you know, uh, contact with sick contacts and washing our hands and everything. So anything that you can do to avoid a viral URI or upper respiratory infection is very helpful. Washing hands, avoiding sick contacts, getting the flu shot is also important because you're avoiding that um, not a hundred percent chance but you're avoiding 40 to 60 percent chance of getting the flu and uh, in that case you're indirectly avoiding getting a, um, a sinus infection and also if you are smoking you shouldn't be smoking or don't start smoking because that is also can lead to acute and chronic infections and not only that can also make you make your sinus infection last longer because smoking can uh, inhibit that, those hair-like uh, structures on the, in the cells inside your nose that actually propel the mucus out. So you get more stagnation of the mucus in the nose as opposed to clearing them out uh, when you smoke um, from that uh, perspective. What are your thoughts on using a humidifier? Does that help with like the dryness in the nose and, and, and combating some of that infection? Yes, definitely. It does. Using a humidifier is very helpful. And just like using the saline uh, irrigations, part of the reason why you're doing it is also you're kind of um, watering inside your nose and humidifying the, the nose, um, which is part of the function of the nose, but cannot be done at the time when you have an acute infection. Awesome. Who knew there was so much fascinating information about sinuses and treating sinus infections since we know they're, they're so common and so many people are suffering from them, but there's, there's things you can do to prevent your risk, you know, and there's, there's treatment available. So thank you for your time, Dr. Shabin. Uh, you've offered some really great advice to our listeners. I know a lot of people will find this advice helpful, especially during the current time when things seem a little crazy and you've offered some great advice. Thank you so much for having me. So to make an appointment with a Cleveland Clinic ear, nose, and throat specialist, call 216-444-8500. If you want to listen to more Health Essentials podcasts featuring experts at Cleveland Clinic, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from or visit clevelandclinic.org slash podcast. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, all one word, to stay up to date on the latest news and information about your health and wellness. Thanks again for listening and stay well. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.